Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Matt Hardy to my Jeff Hardy. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. How's it going? It's great. It's great. I'm absolutely enjoying the weather. I think I've said this every weekend. Yeah, but it's, it's just nice getting better weekend. and better, Justin, isn't it? At the moment... It's a bit, a bit cloudy now, though. Well, yeah, at the moment I'm trapped in my room and what we've been doing on the podcast in recent weeks is obviously having to do it out inside but with the windows closed and so... My room is slowly turning into an oven, and I get very sweaty towards the end of these podcasts. Yeah, no one has to witness that. I do. No, you get to see it firsthand. And do you appreciate it? No, you never do. I, I mean, at least I don't have to walk in the room after, because I imagine that smell is going to be horrendous. No, it it definitely is. But that's why I quickly open the windows as soon as I can, because it's not a pleasant sight for anyone. Justin. Football is coming closer and closer. Are you excited? The, the excitement is building up. I've been a bit pessimistic over the last couple of weeks, mm. haven't I, with sort of what I've been saying. But it seems that, you know, it's getting organised, you know. Everything's starting to gather a bit of momentum and, you know, teams are back in uh, training, squads are back in training. It's looking good. Yeah, I've, well, I've been enjoying seeing all the uh, content that's been posted on the uh, numerous football club accounts from this past week with players back in training. Everyone seems to have a big old smile on their face and the testing is underway as well. So, yeah, we're getting some sort of sense of what football's going to be like over the next few months. Right, we'll crack on with some news then, Justin. We'll have the news and then we'll have the 11s this week. We're going to be talking about the best low knees the Championship has ever seen. Then we'll have squad goals as well this week. I'm picking a crap squad and it is a crap, crap squad. <laughs> and uh, Justin is picking a great squad that he wants to shine a light upon. Then we'll have the Craig Bryson pub quiz as always. But as mentioned, we'll go into the news and not kicking off with coronavirus for once, Justin, because Nathan Jones is back as the Luton Town Manager. A bit of a oh. surprise for you or not at all? Whoa, 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 whoa. A bit of a surprise? No. <laughs> the least surprising thing that's happened in football this season. Yeah, we did kind of call it, didn't we, when um, Graham Jones was sacked. I forgot his name then. <laughs> I was about to say Nathan Jones. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when Graham Jones was... Um, he wasn't really sacked. It was kind of a mutual decision, wasn't it? that yeah. he was going to leave the club because the club mentioned the financial implications of the coronavirus was having an impact. They decided it was best that Graham Jones were to leave. But now they've gone back to the old lover, Nathan Jones. Definitely. Yeah, no, I think I sort of, I sort of flirted with the idea back in January. 
Yeah, um, you I did. Think when when speculation about Graham Jones started to come about, but it's an interesting appointment because it's not the not the squad that Nathan Jones took over with. It's a completely different side almost. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he tackles that, and it'll be interesting to see if Luton stay up because it, it almost feels like it's going to be another re, a bit of a rebuilding job for them. Well, I was going to ask you, do you think this is a good move for all parties involved? I think so. I think Nathan Jones. If that Stoke spell wasn't as bad as it was, he could have easily got another job at a, a team higher up in the championship because he is a, he is a good coach. He's a, he's a very organised coach and he can get his teams playing decent football. All you've got to do is look at how he transformed Luton, um, for example, over a couple of years. Um, and it does take a couple of years to get a side going. Um, but I think it is a good appointment. When you look at those that are available, his credentials as a manager are probably a little bit... He's a little bit more experienced than Graham Jones. Um, obviously, um, Graham Jones has been assistant manager for a while, so yeah, um, a, a good appointment is you know it's not cost him any money, so it's hard to see anything wrong with it other than what's happened in the past. Yeah, kind of uh, just repeating what you've just said, but I think for Nathan Jones, it's probably the best job that he could ask for. I don't think another definitely, championship definitely. club yeah. would take a punt on him, and then for Luton, he's probably the best manager they could get. So yeah. I definitely think it is a good move. For all parties, really. Whether he'll manage to have the same impact straight away that he had before, not too sure. Because as we've said numerous times, the squad that (laughs) Luton have now is pretty poor, really. Yeah, you'd argue their League One side last season was a lot of... It was a lot better than the Championship side this season that they've got now. Yeah, definitely. Miles better. Whether... I, I still think... At this moment in time, Luton are looking very likely to go down. Whether he can make them instantly bounce back, I'm not too sure. I think it might take a bit of time to rebuild. No, exactly. I I don't know whether it's a bit of a rebuilding job for Luton because obviously they lost a a couple of their their best players, a couple of their best players, um, well, better prospects, I should say. Um, and obviously Nathan Jones didn't have the desired instant impact at Stoke last season when he came in and never really got going, as we know. So it, it will be a very, very interesting um, few weeks for Luton just to see how they pick up. Yeah, in the long term, it seems like the financial uh, impact of the coronavirus as well has had a bit of an impact on Luton um, mm-hmm. with them getting rid of Graham Jones last month or whenever it was. Um so I think that might play into whether Luton can bounce back next season as well. But we'll have to wait and see mm-hmm. on that. Interestingly, with Graham Jones leaving, they announced that they were going to have Mick Harford in charge for the rest mm-hmm. of the season. So it didn't seem like Nathan Jones was at the forefront of their mind when they made that announcement. That was... was it, I can't remember what, exactly when the announcement was when Graham Jones left, but was that at sort of the peak of sort of... Um, it was last Not, month, I'm um, pretty sure. Yeah, it's sort of was it around the peak where no one really understood what was happening with football. So we don't we didn't know whether we were gonna to have to void this season or carry it on. I think that might have played into their minds a bit and obviously as things have progressed it has maybe slightly improved from a football perspective because teams are getting back into training, you know, there's a plan in place, so perhaps there's sort of thinking there where you think, Okay, we've got a good opportunity here to get a manager in. Um, financially, we might not be as bad as, as worse off as we thought we'd be. Let's let's see how it goes. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about the plan that is in place at the moment, or looks like it's about to be put in place at the moment. EFL clubs are set to meet on the 8th of June to decide whether to end their seasons early because of coronavirus. The Athletic claims the season is expected to restart again on the 20th of June, which is which is a case of sooner the better for us because we are slowly running out of ideas. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> As I think, having listened to a lot of podcasts recently, Justin, I think they are also doing the same. <laughs> uh, the Guardian is reporting that the EFL is going to discuss having artificial crowd noise in behind closed doors matches. I thought you would have taken a bit of a cynical view to that, Justin, but considering the look you just put on your face then, it sounds like you're not completely against the idea. No, the immediate banter side of me starts to think about clubs that may have already included (laughs) artificial fan noise in their grounds over the last season or so. I'm not sure if it's actually going to be in the grounds because what they've been doing in the Bundesliga is giving people the option to have crowd noise on telly. Ah, okay. So I'm not sure if it's actually going to be in the actual stadiums, but for players' perspective, I I presume they'd prefer not to because they can actually hear their, you know, teammates for once. It's it's very obvious when Sky put their artificial crowd noise on when fans start um, complimenting them in the grounds. <laughs> it's very obvious when that, that, that fan noise comes on. I think it might add something, but I don't know. I mean, we play FIFA and we, we're sort of used to the fan noise there, so maybe just have that on in the background. Possibly. Former Watford <laughs> owner Lawrence Bassini has pulled out of a proposed takeover of Charlton Athletic. He had agreed a £1.2 million deal to buy the club, but Bassini told Sky Sports there are numerous difficulties with the deal, including the presence of former owner Roland de Châtelet, who still owns the Valley, and also Charlton's training ground. Paul Charlton. It doesn't get any better for them. We've spoken about them a lot during the whole coronavirus pandemic, and it doesn't seem like their behind-the-scenes situation is no. getting any easier anytime soon. Yeah, it is sad, but... Lawrence Bassini is not exactly, I wouldn't say the soundest of minds in terms of buying football clubs because he's he's been reported to, obviously he was in for Bolton, never put up uh, money or any evidence of it. If you listen to the price of football, you know they'll tell you all you need to know about Lawrence Bassini and why he shouldn't be involved in football. So that's probably a good thing for Charlton and then that hasn't gone through. Well, the fact that Roland de Châtelet is still having a bit of an impact there shows that they've had enough trouble with bad owners in the past haven't they Mm -hmm. let's talk about transfer news Justin because there is a little bit that's going on we'll start with this one the Daily Mail say Reading are set to lose highly rated youngster Danny Loder for absolutely nothing the club's had to withdraw his contract offer for the 19 year old because of the financial implications around the coronavirus bit of a weird story because as mentioned, mm. he's very highly rated, isn't he? Yeah, we spoke about it yesterday, didn't we? Because I'd sort of, I picked up on it, and I was like, they they should be going above and beyond to sign someone with his potential down to a long term contract. But then you do sort of start, you do start to think about, oh, maybe maybe he's he's hankering for a move away. He's not played many games this season, um, so perhaps it it might be better for both parties that they leave. Because I think Reading are still they will still get a fee, a tribunal fee. For him because of his age. Well, but... well, only if they offer a deal. That so well, they have done, haven't they? Well, they've taken it away now. So oh, they you just put it on the table. Just put it on the table. Yeah, I presume that's what they'll do because it sounds like Loder and his agents, from what I've read anyway, um, 
are hankering for a move to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So if that does happen, then surely Reading would just say, oh, we'll offer you a deal then. And then they'll just get the money. So I presume that's probably what will happen I mean, as opposed to them losing him for absolutely nothing. When you put this into a bit of context for Reading, they're not a very well-run club financially. So them making a daft decision like this wouldn't surprise me. No, just but, provide a bit of context to what you were saying there. It's, that's with regards to the amount of they're spending on wages compared to yeah. the income according to their latest mm-hmm. figures. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my question, just looking at the playing side of things with Loda, is it's a weird situation because he is so highly rated, but he is going to be 20 this summer. And you've got to ask the question, why hasn't he kicked on yet? Because he's only started one game this season. Mm-hmm. So a 20-year-old who's this highly <clears throat> rated and is struggling to make an impact at Reading, you've got to raise questions, haven't you? You you do to an extent, but then you start to think, well, have any other young players thrived at Reading? Maybe one or two, I think. I think he just needs stability. Obviously, Reading have had a lot of managers over the last two seasons, I think he's been, since he made his debut. Let's move on to this other report that's also from the Mail. Uh, they claim Chelsea are interested in signing side Ben Rama for £30 million. Do you think he's ready for the step up? It's hard to say because you've not seen him. We, we've, we're not really seeing him come up against a Premier League defender, um, so it is hard to say. If you look at his his quality alone, is five star can easily fit into the Premier League. But obviously, there's all all the other things. There's the physicality of it. There's the high demands um, again physically. It is it is hard to say. But obviously, it's, football is changing financially. I think Chelsea would do a lot worse for thirty million pounds to sign someone of Saeed Ben Rahm's quality. Yeah, I think he's definitely ready to make the step up because it's we've spoken about him loads this season, haven't we? And yeah, it's incredibly rare at this level for a winger to put in quality performance after quality performance. But he does it week in, week out, mm-hmm. doesn't he? And the number of chances he creates per game are absolutely staggering. He scores goals, he's superb with both feet, his dribbling ability out of this world, I think he'd get into the majority of Premier League sides. And whether he does move or not, I think will depend on whether Brentford get promoted. Um, But whichever club he is playing at next season will have one hell of a player on their hands. He does have a bit of the hazard about him as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially in the Championship, whether he can replicate that in the Premier League. Who's to say? Yeah. But Let's ra- there is that bit about him. Let's rattle through the rest of these just in the mail again. They're saying Preston and Stoke are interested in Celtic winger Johnny Hayes. He's being released, but he's 32 years old now. So again, He looks a lot older than that, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 90min.com say Middlesbrough are ready to sell Dale Fry this summer, but they're going to be asking £20 million for him. No, I can't. I can't see. I can't see anyone getting those sorts of fees for players now. They'll be very lucky to get that much. Uh, and finally, the Daily Mirror claim a number of Championship clubs are looking at Oxford defender Rob Dickey. Yeah. Uh, right, let's move on then to the 11s. As mentioned this week, we're talking about lone players, the best ones to have ever graced the Championship. I enjoyed this a lot because I think everyone's got a favourite lone player at their club, haven't they? And there's been so many unbelievable talents who have spent a season or even just a few seasons on loan in the championship. I've had such a great impact. Uh, before we start, this goes without saying, but this is based on how well they did in the championship, not yeah. what they went on to accomplish. Um, quite a few players who I thought were on loan 
but actually weren't. <laughs> so before any of our listeners start DMing us asking why we didn't pick so and so, just double check that actually they were on loan because you might fall into the same trap as me where I was convinced Charlie Adam was on loan at Blackpool when they got promoted, but he wasn't actually. He was there permanently by that point. Was right. I was say, was it a loan to a permanent? Because now I'm, I'm double guessing. He was on loan initially the season before and then moved permanently. Ah, okay. So there you go. Right, right who you got in goal, Justin? Um, it was it was hard to find goalkeepers. I thought because um, I was quite a few that came to my head, but this one really stuck out. It's, it has to be Dean Henderson. Yep, I've got Dean Henderson as well. Yeah. He was the first name I put down. I, I was I was really mulling mulling over it, but Dean Henderson last season ridiculous. I didn't realise how good he was. Oh, yeah. Um, I knew he was good. Um, but 21 clean sheets, 41 goals, uh, only 41 goals conceded, and a save percentage of 41%. Statistically, he was the best keeper last season in the Championship, and it was his first season in the Championship. Yeah, he made so many key saves for them last season. Yeah. That yeah. You've got to wonder, if they had a lesser keeper in goal, whether he would have made the same saves, because... He just pulled off worldy save after worldy save. And now we're yeah. seeing it in the Premier League, just how mm-hmm. good he is. So I think yeah. that's all we've got to say on Dean Henderson. He was the standout choice for me as well. Yeah. Uh, he, he have, sorry, he'd have definitely been going to the Euros this summer with England as well. Yeah. Not been postponed for a year. Well, there's been plenty of calls for him to even be the England number one. And yeah. it's no surprise considering just how good he is. Uh, what formation you got, Justin? I've got a a four four two diamond. Four four two diamond. Okay, I can deal yeah. with that. I've gone four three three, uh, with three strikers. <laughs> Stri- strikers <laughs> was very easy. Uh, yeah. Right back. Who have you got? Um. Yeah. Again, only one race stuck out, um, but it was Kyle Walker at QPR. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say the same as me. Then I've gone Cal Norton at Leicester. First off, I completely forgot he was at Leicester. No, it's all right. Tell us why you picked uh, Walker first. Well, he only really had half a season at QPR, but he was that good. Obviously, Spurs recalled him, and then he joined um, he joined Villa for the second half of the season. But that QPR side that went up um, in the 2010-11 season under Warnock was they were especially the first half of the season. They were incredible. Um, they seemed to they just they seemed to get better and better in the first half of the season. And obviously, Kyle Walker coming through at that time, um, he was he was absolutely superb. I think he provided. Um, a pivotal game in the, uh, in the first half of the season he provided two assists for Hulse and uh, Helgerson um, I think they won, won it 3-1 but just highlights how good he was as a wing back and obviously for him to get better and better literally get better and better every season is sort of highlights a coup for QPR yeah. um, at right way lovely stuff I've gone with Norton of the Cal uh, Tusum. nowadays he's just an average fullback at Swansea uh, which kind mm. of you know, makes you forget how good he was because he was there were massive things expected of him when he was younger. Um, early in his career, he was absolutely superb, and he showed that when he spent the season on loan at Leicester in the 2010-11 season. And he was the first choice right back throughout the campaign, even though it was a pretty underwhelming season for Leicester as a whole. They finished tenth when they were expected to do a lot better, and he was picked in the PFA Team of the Year despite that. Um, after that, he had a loan spell at Norwich in the Premier League and then he was given a chance at Spurs but didn't really play that often and then moved to Swansea where, as mentioned, he's just pretty average now, unfortunately. A bit older now. Yeah, a bit older, yeah, but give him, give him a break. not really the potential that was expected of him, I suppose. Uh, centre-backs, I have picked two. Um, so have I. <laughs> but there were three who stood out for me. I think... I've- 
we'll definitely have one who is the same, but I'm not sure about the other t- the other one. Um, who have you got at centre back? What? All right, I've got Pontus Janssen. Oh, okay, that's a a, a through. You threw me a bit there with that one. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, so I, th- I think I know who you've got, but I changed my mind on him because the season's not finished yet. Um, so that gives it away. Move, do you want me to tell you a move on? Yeah, it's it. very left field. Go on. Uh, Majid Bouguera. Wow, okay. I forget everything I just said. We have not got yeah. the same centre-backs whatsoever. <laughs> no. Majid Bouguera, I'll, I'll go into Ponte Chance in a minute. Majid Bouguera, this was the height of recruitment. Crew of all sides. Crew Alexandra picked him um, from French team uh, Gwengon. Apologies for my pronunciation of that. Um, in the 2005-2006 season, he played half a season. He had he had a good half of the season that season. So much so, he impressed Sheffield Wednesday. They signed him. Then he moved on to Charlton that same season for a couple of million pounds, uh, where he played for a couple of seasons, and then he obviously moved on to Rangers. But he just exemplified how good recruitment was back in the mid-2000s. I believe it's pronounced Guangon. 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 Um, yeah, good choice. I do like that. It's very left field, but yeah. I, I can appreciate it. We appreciate left field things on this podcast, Justin. Speaking of left field, Pontus Janssen. Pontus Janssen, yeah. Well, he joined Leeds on loan initially in the 2016 2017 season. Uh, made 34 appearances, scored three goals, but obviously, from 40, went on to achieve. That, that might have been his best Leeds season I yeah. think I think last season um, it was a bit suspect and obviously the season before they didn't perform very well but the season he came in just showed you how good a player he was um, and he's obviously I think he's doing that this season at Brentford um, you know he, he initially joined on the season alone as I say um, from Torino this was a quite a coup because I think he's an inter- international defender at that point for Sweden you know Sweden aren't a Ferreira Islands, for example, they're a good international side. Um, so to get a player of his quality on loan um, and obviously make that um, deal permanent later on in the season was a massive, massive win for Leeds. Yeah. And obviously, although he played his best season that season, I think um, he was still a very good player for him last season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my two centre-backs I'm very happy with. I've gone first off with Willy Bolly at Wolves. Oh, you know what? He, he came in at last minute but I thought I'm not going to change it now oh you should have because for me he was the standout choice he was the first centre back who came to my head and I mean we all know Ruben Neves stole the headlines when Wolves got promoted a couple of seasons ago but Willy Bolly was one of their top three players wasn't he easily easily as I say thinking back to him he was an unbelievable defender yeah he still is now he's quality yeah yeah, he doesn't really get much credit for how good he is because he's playing regularly for a very good Wolves side and it all started with that loan spell uh, as I say from a couple of seasons ago my other centre-back Ben White um, I know you mentioned that you didn't want to pick him because the season's not finished yet but I I felt like I had to just because of how good he's been for Leeds this season and Mm. I'm just repeating what we say just about every week when we talk about Ben White because he is best centre back this season yeah yeah definitely he's he's up there along with I'd say Jansen Warrell as well are both up there for me but White probably just edges it mainly one aspect of it is as well that he, I don't think we expected him to be this good either because when he initially came in, we thought he was just going to be back up to Janssen was, and Cooper oh yeah. and then Janssen left and mm. White's come in 
after a pretty average season at Peterborough last season. And, as you mentioned, is now attracting the likes of you know, Chelsea and some yeah. massive clubs in the Premier League. But Leeds would be hoping to hold on to him. I'm not sure if they will, though. Um, the honourable mentions, Ryan Shawcross was one who really yes. stood out for me in the season Stoke he, got promoted. He scored a lot of goals that season. I think he scored seven, right. I think. Yeah. For, well, actually... Is that a lot for a Tony Pulis defender? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's so. a lot for a, a, a normal defender, yeah, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He had, he had a storm of a season. And my other one was going to be Tyrone Mings, just because of how much he transformed yes. that yes. Villa side from last season. Absolutely. Yeah. Great shot. Definitely. Loads of choices, really, in the end. Uh, left back, mm. who have you gone with? I've gone with Matt Target. See, he's another player who changed Villa last season. I presume it is Villa yeah. we're talking about, not a spell at Fulham. Well,. Or both? I've, sort of, I've, I've involved both because it, it, for Fulham's season in Championship, uh, the season that won the, um, the playoffs in 2017-2018, they were doing well, but they weren't as good as they could yeah. have been. And mainly because they had a bit of a lack of balance at left-back. I think Adoy played there a couple of times. Um, obviously, Cessignon played wing-back. Um, but Matt Target coming in gave them a different dynamic as an attacking outlet. Not only that, but his ability to cross the ball as well was outstanding. And um, it is a shame that he hasn't kicked on uh, as good as we thought he could have yeah. been. Because, um, as I said, that left foot is deadly. But him coming in obviously allowed Cessnion to push on, uh, push forward and just put in that amazing amount of, well, the amazing amount of goals that he did. Um, and as well as that, he helped bring a bit more of an attacking outlet for Villa because I think they had Neil Taylor who isn't renowned for being a uh, attacking uh, fullback. Uh, obviously, I was talking about last season. Um, and it, as I say, it was pivotal in helping them kick on and, and, and win promotion. Uh, and obviously, signed permanently there. And he's had a steady season this season. Yeah, good choice. Big fan of that. My left-back is Daniel Pudel. At Watford in the 2013, uh, 2012-13 season, I should say. Um, he did have a very good season at Watford, but the main reason I picked him is because it gives me a chance to talk about how Watford massively exploited the loan system in that season. Oh, Ryan, <laughs> don't, don't spoil it. Why, are you going to do it later on? I will allude to it later on. Oh, it's too late, I'm afraid <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> so, many of you may not know that a club is allowed a maximum of five loan players in a matchday squad in the mm-hmm. championship. Um, that rule happened because of Watford. So just for a second, think to yourself, Justin, how many loan players are at your club at the moment? Which is Derby, for those who don't know. Four, I think. It's three um, at three. the moment. Okay. So five loan players is quite a lot then, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's a high number. Well, in the 2012-13 season, Watford had 14 players on loan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My God. Uh, the Pozo family, who own Watford, also own Udinese. And 10 of those players came from there. Um, whatever mm. the case, it worked because Watford finished third that season before losing in the playoff final to Palace. Uh, yeah. Daniel Pudel, one of the only four players to start more than 35 games that season. But he was one of the standout players as well. He was a very solid player. And also had a decent career at Sheffield Wednesday as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, they played three at the back as well, didn't they? Yeah. Zola came in and sort of... Not put out a trend, but not many teams played it at that point in the championship. 
the sort of the three at the back goes in peaks and troughs, doesn't it? Throughout the years, like teams will start to use it massively, and then it'll go quiet for a bit, and then it'll come back. Again. Yeah, but that team was unreal attacking from attacking perspective. It was a very good side, even though it was kind of just you know hashed together with a bunch of players uh, yeah. from all over the place. Uh, right, many Udinese. Right, let's move into midfield. <laughs> uh, so you've gone with a diamond. I've gone for three in midfield. I'll start off, Justin. One of mine is Ollie Norwood. From that Sheffield United team last season. We spoke about him last week, actually. And he is probably the main cog in what is a well-oiled machine at Sheffield United. And Mm -hmm. to put it simply, it's hard to say whether they would have got promoted without him. Because he was unbelievable last season. His underlying data was ridiculously good. And to think that he was just kind of a, an average championship player before that and he whoa, 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 he whoa, was whoa. though wasn't he he wasn't whoa, he, whoa, whoa, he wasn't whoa. being picked regularly by any other club that he was at and then suddenly he's gone to Sheffield United and is the standout player there oh I've also picked Ollie Norwood okay um, he was prominent in the Brighton side that went up but that was a that was a permanent deal Let's ignore that. But he then went on loan to Fulham in the season they won um, promotion. He, he made 41 appearances that season. And obviously him playing where he plays, where he sits quite deep, um, dictates the tempo. He allowed Kearney to push up. Um, I can't remember if Kearney won uh, player of the season that season in the Championship, but he certainly was unplayable um, and obviously unlocked a, li- a little bit. So it's something slightly different for Kenny because obviously allowed him Ollie Norwood being there alongside Kevin McDonald um, allowed Kenny to push on uh, and obviously Johansson as well. Norwood for me, I don't think we'll see a player like him in the Championship for a while, just because his ability is ridiculous, his passing ability, his Premier League quality. I might be bigging him up, but he's genuinely one of my favourite players to, to grace the Championship, and I think you might have done him a bit dirty there by saying he wasn't um, an obvious pick. I know. Well, no, what I said was that he wasn't really the most favoured player by his past managers because he wasn't. Because in that Fulham side, he was, you know, the fourth choice really behind, as you mentioned, McDonald, Kearney and uh, Johansson. And then at the other clubs that he was at, didn't really fancy him in the Premier League. Like you mentioned Brighton, Mm. they played him loads in the championship but I don't think he was a regular starter in week in week out and then when they got to the Premier League he hardly played and was shipped out on loan Um, but then at Sheffield United that's where he really kicked on in the uh, second half of the season Uh, right let's move on I have gone with in centre mid alongside Ollie Norwood Jordi Gomez from his time at Swansea Yeah. yeah So, first off, what a player he was for so mm. many clubs. He seems to be well thought of by a lot of clubs in England. Um, Swansea is no different. He went on loan in the 2008-09 season, got 12 goals, 5 assists, and they'd actually get promoted the season afterwards. But in this season, he was by far their best player. He got picked in yeah. the championship team of the season, even though Swansea finished 8th. And then from there, he just attracted interest from all over the place. And Swansea admitted that they had no chance of getting him because A, they couldn't afford him. And B, he seemed destined to go to the Premier League, moved to Wigan the season afterwards and did very well there as well. Yeah, no, he, I, I remember that season very, very well. And Swansea was still, I think it was Swansea's first season in the Championship, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. 
they were still a decent side. Obviously, they finished eighth, um, but he was quality. Yeah, he was quality. Who is your other sentiment, Justin? Well, obviously, I've gone with a four-four-two diamond, so he plays just off the strikers. It's it's Matai Vidra. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's this exploitation of the loan system in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> It seemed like he was at Watford for years, but actually the two seasons he was on loan at Watford in the 2012-2013 season and the 2014-2015 season, they were both loan spells from Udinese. Um, but in that time, he scored 36 goals in 83 games. Um, obviously, he was part of the side that got to the playoff final in 2013 and then part of the side that uh, finished runners-up in 2015. Um, two incredibly attacking sides and Vidra added something slightly different um, in both of those seasons. <laughs> Um, alongside mainly alongside Troy Dean obviously um, uh, Odion Nogala as well yeah and yeah, I think he got player of the season didn't he in one of those seasons when he 12-13 uh, yeah in 22 goals as well He's we love Matteo Vidra on this show we really really do he's a ruthless goal scorer uh, so when you say you've picked a diamond I presume you've got two wingers as well yeah right I thought you had um, two centre mids as well uh, four centre mids a wide diamond not a narrow one okay my other centre mid then is Jason Kumas and I think I said not too long ago that Jason Jason Kumas was a one season wonder, but I, I was outraged. Yeah, I think I, I think outraged. I'm gonna have to take that back. Um, so <laughs> he joined Cardiff on loan from West Brom <clears throat> after having a big old fallout with Brian Robson. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up being a massive mistake because while West Brom got relegated from the Premier League, Kumas was tearing it up at Cardiff. He got 12 goals, 10 assists won the club's Spurb the season award and was named in the PFA Team of the Year. They desperately tried to sign him, but West Brom were having absolutely none of it because they thought, we need to give this bugger a chance. Um, yeah. He then went on to win player of the season in the Championship for West Brom the season after and then moved to Wigan, where, unfortunately, his career went downhill, as we've said plenty of time. Um, he actually rejoined Cardiff a few seasons later, but he was uh, disrupted mm-hmm. badly by yeah. injury. But that one season for Cardiff, sensational. Absolutely sensational, yeah. right? I've 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 got Kumas in. There. You have, have you? Where's he playing? Left wing. Yeah. Oh, he's left mid. Yeah. Left wing. Okay. Who is your right winger then? It has to be Harry Wilson. Ah, oh, I knew you being a Derby fan would manage to put one of Tamori Mount or Wilson on no, there. It's well, I didn't I didn't really want to put Tamori or Mount in there. I, although I thought Tamori was fantastic and quite rightly won Player of the Year. Um, I just think. Yeah, you've got to pick pick somebody else. And Mason Mount was injured for a, a portion of the season last season. His quality was there, but Harry Wilson, for me, individual quality just in his left foot alone was ridiculous. And it's not just his derby spell, it's his whole spell as well. Mm. So in 53 championship appearances, he scored 22 goals. And I think he only hit 22 this season in terms of his age. So that tells you how how much quality he has. And he's obviously too good for the Championship. Whether or not he can... I know he's done right at Bournemouth this season, whether or not he can kick on to the level he has done in the previous two seasons. Um, but some of the goals he scored, um, obviously positionally as well, it was slightly different. Because obviously under Lampard, they see he sometimes played him centre-mid as a, if I'm if I'm going to get technical, as a Mazala. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, a, in a narrow diamond. And, it, and he seemed to thrive in that role as well. So... Tactically, he's, he's quality, and obviously technically, he's quality as well. Yeah, the wand on that left foot is sensational. Was, yeah, some of the goals um, uh, I saw him score last season were some of the best goals I've seen. Oh yeah, at, 
Full stop. Yeah. And the fact that he just would his... consistently ping them from that far out and yeah. would trouble goalkeepers just about every time is unbelievable. Right, let's move up front, Justin. This is the business end because there are so many players you can so choose many. from here. So many. I've got I've got a list of honourable mentions that I felt like I had to mention, but the standard of my front three is pretty insane. Um, <laughs> I'll go with the first one, Dwight Gale. For his spell at West Brom last season. Now, he's got a reputation for being too good for the Championship, but not good enough mm-hmm. for the Premier League, which I think is a bit unfair because his record's actually not too bad in the Premier League, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, going back to the first half of that point, he's got a sensational record in the Championship, as we saw with West Brom last season. 23 goals he scored, and considering how leaky they were defensively, they're damn lucky they had him <laughs> because yeah, they would have been in a lot of trouble if they didn't have the goals of Dwight Gale, and he was. An absolute superstar for them last season. Um, one thing that I will always wonder, though, is whether they would have got promoted if he had, hadn't been sent off in the first leg of the playoffs. Hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because they relied on him and Rodriguez a lot in the second half yeah. of the season. But it was one hell of a partnership. He scored some beautiful goals along the way. Quality player. Have you got Dwight Gale on your side? I don't. Oh, wow. I don't. Okay. Who is one of your strikers then? Uh, so this one's a bit obvious. It's uh, Alexander Mitrovic. Okay, I've also got Mitrovic. Does that mean yeah. you've got the same striker as me for the last one? Because I feel like if you've missed out the final striker, you've done something seriously wrong. I think we have got the same. Who one. is it? Tammy Abraham. Yeah, it is. Thank God we agreed on that because mm-hmm. Tammy Abraham goes without saying. Really, he there's an argument for him being the best Championship loanee ever, mainly because yeah. he managed to score over 20 in two different loan spells. He got 23 yeah. for Bristol City a few seasons ago, and then he got 25 last season for Villa, despite yeah. playing fewer games. I mean, from your perspective, was it always obvious that he was going to be a star? Because he's doing it now for Chelsea as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think um, Bristol City played Derby. I, th- I think it was, it was a bonkers game. Right? I think it was 3-3, but he was a standout player in that game. His he, Obviously, his, his, his size... Um, as a striker is is intimidating because obviously he's, he's so tall um, so you, you immediately thought if any, any balls come into the box he's going to get on the end of them and not only that for a big guy he's, he's really quick as well and his finishing ability is insane and as well as that his, his, his movement is ridiculous I, I can't remember what game it was now for Villa um, where he just tore defenders a new one yeah. um, it might have been the Forest game actually where they drew ridiculous, I think it was 5-5 um, but you know, seventy-eight games in the championship, forty-eight goals. The strike, uh, the strike rate is sickening. Yeah, and the fact he's still so young, even now, yeah, exactly, shows exactly. like how unbelievable it was that he managed to score that many goals. As you mentioned, athletically, an unbelievable player, and then his movement, the, the number of times the ball would just get you know played into the box from out wide, and he managed to find that little. Yeah canister of space and he just managed to yeah. put it in the back and there. It's sensational well, for someone that young. Yeah, his season at Bristol City was his first full season. It was his first season. Yeah. And he scored 23 goals. Um, and not only that, that Bristol City side, if I remember rightly, was terrible. <laughs> it wasn't a very good no. team. It's worth mentioning as well, he's one of only four players, I think, to have scored 15 plus goals as a teenager. Um you forget that. I think um, yeah. it's also worth mentioning. He, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think he might be the only one to have scored over twenty as a teenager. I might be, might not be right on that, but still, it shows how much quality he has. Uh, Mitrovic goes without saying as well. Fulham would have gone up, would they, a couple no. of seasons ago without him? 
they didn't really have um, much quality from from a striker perspective. <clears throat> they were relying on what re- what fundamentally was an eighteen year old left back to score the goals in Cessignon. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I think Matty Target coming in with his left foot and putting them balls in that Mitrovic thrives off. And, you know, he scored twenty uh, twelve goals in twenty games in that season. And he pushed him up, and obviously Fulham signed him permanently, and that's probably the best decision Fulham have made in the past five or six years signing him permanently. Yeah, well, probably one of the best decisions ever ever in the Championship, really. <laughs> um, honorable mentions. I'm just going to whiz through these because time's getting on. Uh, Glenn Murray was one who yes. only just missed out before I remembered uh, Mitrovic. Matej Vidra, who you've already mentioned. Marlon King in the season Watford got promoted under Aidy Boothroyd. Spent the first half of it on loan before joining permanently. Uh, huh. 21 goals he got that season. Nicholas Bentner, very good yeah, season yeah. with Birmingham when he was just and 19. And uh, Lewis Graben as well during the uh, t- the season where he was at Sunderland for the first half and then Villa, and then Villa for the second half yeah. and just scored goals for fun. Right, let's get on to squad goals, Justin. So for anyone who hasn't heard of this bit before, this is where we look back at a classic championship squad and a not-so-classic championship squad and just have a little reminisce about why they were so good or so bad. Justin, you're picking the good squad this week. Who have you gone with? So it was actually what inspired me to pick this side was actually doing this uh, the 11th this week um, looking back this could be one of my favourite championship sides ever it's just full of cool players and they did not give a shit about defending <laughs> they, just wanted to, they just wanted to attack and they quite rightly won promotion in the 2014-2015 season so I'm obviously talking about the Watford team oh yeah so that's why I said oh don't give it away too much but even that season was just loans 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 um it, but it, it, as you said, it was it was their exploitation of the loan system that prompted the league to change the rules. I think it was Ian Holloway complained about it in uh, Ian Holloway way <laughs> that he does. Um, just to highlight how attacking they were, they only drew eight games that season. They won twenty seven and lost eleven, and they scored ninety one. Obviously, Bournemouth won the league that season. They scored ninety three. But just to put just to you know, obviously a bit of background on that season. Um, Jukanovic managed them to promotion uh, but he came into the club on the 7th of October by that time they had three managers <laughs> Beppe Sinino was sacked after winning four of his first five games Beppe who? Um, Beppe Sinino I have no idea who that is <laughs> it's, it was that weird period for Watford um, Oscar Garcia came in obviously the former Brighton yeah. manager but he left after health issues and then the well-known Billy McKinley I think I can't remember if it was caretaker or permanent manager, but he then left to join David Moyes at Real Sociedad. That went well. Um, so it was up to Kingslav to galvanise his side. Just to pick out some of the results from that season, they won five 0 away at Fulham. Yeah. They beat Charlton five 0 at home, and they also beat Blackpool seven two at home. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this team loved attacking, and obviously, as I said, court players. Just a few. Uh, Odi Nogalo. Mate Vidra, Troy Dini, they hit 50, 58 goals between them. How do you fit Igalo, Vidra and Dini into the same side? It's ridiculous. Squad rotation. I think Igalo uh, made 11 sub-appearances, Vidra along like, yeah. the same amount. Um, but they also had Almin Abdi, um, Herelio Gomez was in goal. I can't remember if Lloyd Doyle made an appearance that season, but if he did, I love it. Um, <laughs> you forget that Gomez was in the championship, don't you? Wow. Yeah, yeah, great side. That's my that's that's my great side. Yeah, it's yeah. a very good side. Um, what season was that? Twenty fourteen fifteen. Yeah, I've also gone for a side from the twenty fourteen fifteen season. It's the Wigan side. So this whole season was just funny. 
in hindsight. Um, <laughs> one thing we haven't done before on squad goals is look at what people were saying about a team before the season started. So for a bit of context, Wigan had just finished fifth the season before and lost in the playoff semi-finals. Mm-hmm. This season, they were third favourites to win the league, mainly because Ray Vosler had taken charge halfway through last season and they looked great ever since he came in. Um, the Telegraph did a preview of each team before the season started. They said the worst case for scenario for Wigan would be mid-table. How wrong they were. <laughs> they finished second from bottom. There were a multitude, a multitude of reasons that it went wrong. The main one was how quickly their squad fell apart. So they won the FA Cup just a year before the season started. Um, but they only had one player left on that side in this season. And that was Emerson Boyce. The money that they did make from those players wasn't spent very well at all. There were other factors as well. Um, they had three managers this season. Rosler was sacked in the autumn and replaced by Malky Mackay, who was being investigated by the FA for some naughty text messages, shall we say. Uh, this led to people <laughs> questioning the judgment of chairman Dave Whelan, who himself yeah, I remember then name. got in trouble for some naughty comments. Oh, dear. Um, yeah. He was banned from football for a period of time, mm-hmm. but replaced by his grandson, who was 23. Um, anyways... Things didn't get better under Mackay, so he got sacked, and then Gary Caldwell took over, but by that point, the writing was on the wall. Strangely, though, they had some good players, some very good players, most notably Harry Maguire, who was 22 at the time, Uh, Scott Carson, Martin Waghorn, Josh Murphy, James McLean, uh, James Perch. Good players, really good players. That's a good side, that is a good, decent side. Yeah, but it all just all went wrong, really, and um, that's a... finish it off by talking about what we always finish off the crap sides with how many players they played that season so we do this all the time they managed to play 39 players this season (laughs) (laughs) it's always a ridiculous amount when we talk about these crap squads no one's managed to top Blackpool's 50 yet I don't think that we'll ever get close to that, but 39 is still a ludicrous amount. Let's go on (laughs) to the Craig Bryson pub quiz. So this is the part of the show where I'm going to ask Justin six clues, and he's got to try and guess who this championship legend is. He's made over 200 appearances in the championship and will have played relatively recently. This one's a good one, Justin. I've made 223 (laughs) championship appearances, scoring 41 goals. 223-41, 223-41, an attacking midfielder. Um, ooh. Why do you think it's an no attacking one's... midfielder? That's a, that's, a, that's a decent amount of goals. It's either that or not a very good striker. <laughs> it has to be an attacking midfielder, a winger, perhaps. Um, no one's popping to med straight away. That's that's not a good start. Shall I move on? Uh, Michael Kitely. It's not Michael Kitely. This is an interesting clue. I made my debut in 2003 for Manchester United. For Manchester United in 2003. Mm. <laughs> the look on your face says a lot. Is that, what is that the 2002-2003 season or 2003-2004 season? Off the top of my head, 2003-04. Does that matter? Is that crucial? I don't... I don't know, because the only player that's coming to my head at the moment that I can see is David Bellion or Kieran Richardson. Okay. I don't think either of them played in the Championship very long at all. Shall I move on? Next clue. I was being tipped for big things early on in my career, with Sir Alex Ferguson saying, I had a great future ahead of me. 
he says that about every player that weirdly turns shit. <laughs> I think he said Nick Powell was going to be the next Paul Skull. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He said he's, he's a those words from Sir Alex Ferguson are a poison chalice. Um, ah. Oh. I've had a real bad slump over on these over the last few weeks. Mm. Usually annoyingly good at it, but after the Joe Ledley debacle, you've done really badly recently. It's, it's affected me. It's affected, it's affected you mentally. Me. Shall I move on? Exactly. Move on. However, I'm now 30, I'm now 34, and without a club, having had my contract terminated at Oldham in January. Before that, I spent over a year as a free agent after having my contract terminated by Ross County. Any? Oh, people! People have definitely got this already. Any um, bells ringing in your head? No. Oh my god! Shall I move on? This is terrible. Hold on, let me just pluck someone out of the air. Um, Eric Jember Jember played that season. I don't think he played in the championship. No, he didn't. And he didn't <laughs> definitely didn't score that many goals. I've played for a host of clubs at championship level, including Watford, Sheffield Wednesday, Charlton, and Blackpool. This is horrendous. You might get it on this last one. This is horrendous. Do you want the last clip? Um, yeah. However, apart from being at Man United, I'm probably best known for my spells at Burnley and Bolton. Oh, I thought you'd get it. I thought you'd get it, Justin. Burnley and Bolton. Mm, Burnley and Bolton. Burnley and Bolton. Very Lancashire-based. Man United, Burnley, Bolton, Oldham. Blackpool, Oldham. Oh, shocking. Absolutely shocking. I'm disappointed for you. Do you want to give up? Burnley and Bolton. Oh, yeah. If I said fake tan to you, does that... Oh, it's Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you got it from that. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, it is Chris Eagles. It is Chris Eagles. It is. Oh, you're disappointed with yourself. I am. Because I didn't realise. That was a hard one because I had no idea he made, he played that many games in Champions No, neither did I actually. I was very surprised when I saw it. But it's mainly from his loan spells early in his career. Yeah. And then he had a couple of spells with Burnley and Bolton in the Championship <laughs> when they were, you know, flirting around with. Um, promotion mm-hmm. of relegation and then after that it's just random spells that he had at the likes of Blackpool and Charlton it's all come from that really it's all kind of just mounted up he's I don't think he's ever had like a prolonged spell in the championship no no that's ah oh, man that's 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 hurt me a little bit they were they were hard clues I'll give you that. just in your record at, at the Craig Bryson pub quiz has been poor if you were on a goal-scoring run right now, you'd be dropped. I need to. I need to go away and really evaluate things. You do. You do. Yeah. I'm disappointed for you, the fans, the listeners. They're all rallying behind you to try and get you through this bad spell. But I'm letting them down. You're, you're letting everyone down, especially me. Yeah. Right. That has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for listening as per usual. Make sure you head to our website for pieces that we've written. Justin, what's your most recent piece? Uh, I know to the playoffs, obviously it was the playoffs this week and I just wanted to dedicate an, uh, an article to them just 
outlining why we keep going back to the playoffs, even though a lot of us constantly get disappointed by them. Especially if you're a Derby fan. Not just Derby fans, but Birmingham City fans. <laughs> but mainly Derby fans. Ipswich Town fans, they technically have the worst record. But mainly Derby but, fans. Yeah. I've also done a piece. It's the top five best moments in playoff history in the championship. So make sure you give that a read. And I'm going to be doing a piece this week where I go through each team in the championship and judge whether they'll have benefited or not from the season being paused. So keep an eye out for that. Mm -hmm. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks. I'm Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Let's do all right.